Today's reading is Mark 10, 17 through 31. It can be found on page 933 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have done, I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With human beings this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for me and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. The word of the Lord. invite you to pray with me as we begin. God of grace, as we come into this uh, room together, we come from all sorts of different backgrounds, different experiences of you, different, spec- different places on the spectrum of belief. We might come with all kinds of questions, and we feel like unless those questions are answered, we don't know if we can continue moving forward, exploring the Christian faith. We might come with doubt. Faith was strong at one time, but doubts have come into the picture. We might come with the opposite story. Doubts have been kind of worked through. Prayers have been answered in a way we never experienced before. We're thankful for your presence. We experience a sense of encountering your grace. Or we might come just... Grief and sadness because of loss. Maybe a new loss in our life or maybe something that has, 
is revisiting and coming back to the surface again. We come from so many different places as we sit here, and yet we're all in the same boat. All of us are more broken than we care to admit. Our lives are more of a mess than we want other people to know. We ask as we listen to you and to words of Scripture today that you would come to us and see us in all of our fragmentation, all of our mess, and all of our brokenness. And as your scriptures tell us you do, that you would move towards us with your grace so that even though we're more of a mess than we care to admit, we would walk away knowing we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. Because you made sure of it in real history, through real actions, through the suffering and death on the cross when you took on the brokenness, the fragmentation, so that we could take on a place in your presence confidently. Help us to walk away today with that confidence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a little line in this story that we read today that says that um, the man walked away sad because he had great wealth. I don't know if you get lost once in a while uh, thinking about people who have that problem, you know, they have great wealth. Um, This time of year, actually, I I do it a fair amount, the last couple weeks, this week, even today, because um, I'm a big basketball fan. I follow the headlines in the NBA, and right now is a time where these headlines are coming to my phone, and they're telling me how many millions of dollars each new player is signing for, for their contracts. And, and, you know, sometimes I get, kind of get lost in that, and I just kind of do some, some calculations and think that through. Wow. I mean, there's huge amounts of money that, that are getting announced every day. Another person's getting this much. Another person's getting that much. Um, it just kind of feels like make-believe land, you know, the amounts of money. Dwight Howard um, was the much-sought-after player over the last week, and finally the big news is he signed with the Houston Rockets. And there were, uh, I think, four or five teams that were going after him, each of them able to offer him $88 million for four years. And, and this was just sort of the standard offer that Dwight Howard... So he goes with the Houston Rockets, and, and one, of the th- one of the pieces of thinking is that maybe he went to Houston because they don't have state taxes there. <laughs> and of that you know, $20 million, $22 million a year, he'll get to keep an extra two of them. And for some reason to me at that point 2 million doesn't it seems kind of like nickels, you know. But I did do a calculation of Dwight Howard and you know just dividing that number 20 million by or 22 million by 365 and you get the reality that he makes $60,000 a day. <laughs> do you ever do that? Do you ever I, do you ever think that through? And then just sort of you calculate, you know, like what maybe what the expenses in your life are. You know, so maybe it's the, maybe it's the movie stars and you know how much they made for this and that movie. And you think, if, if I just maybe had such and such a percentage of that, what I would do and how much more I would have left. You know, these people that have this problem of more money than they know what to do with. I, had, um, I sat down for lunch with someone once who said that they had been in, in investing at one point and, and that there was this point in their life where they, he and his wife had to figure out what to do because they had more money than they knew what to do with. And of course, if anybody ever says that to you, then you ask them, well, do you have any left? Because I, <laughs> I could help you solve that problem really quickly. I got a lot of ideas. 
Of course, it's not just about money. Um, it's not, most of us, I don't think, are necessarily going just straight for the money. But it's often money has a role in helping us make our way towards other things that we've set our hearts on. So that, um, you know, you might not, money's a part of your life and money's a part of your daily existence, but um, more so you're thinking, how can money relate to my uh, achieving these certain goals in my life? You know, I want to find a spouse. I want to have a career that's meaningful, that really feels like me. Um, I want to have children. Do I have enough money to have children? How much, how much, how many children can I have with the amount of money that I make? You know, these kinds of questions. I want to be able to travel when I retire. I want to be able to um, reach certain, do certain hobbies throughout my life. And money always seems to have a role in that. And so when we come to this teaching today where Jesus is talking to a man who had great wealth, who had that, that problem of more money than he knew what to do with, what you'll see comes up, kind of cycles through this story, is that there's the things you want to accomplish in life. There's the things you've set your heart on. There's the money that helps you pursue those things. And then there's the God who often gets sort of lost in the shuffle and in the process. And in order to, as we walk through this story, basically we're just going to see how those things kind of keep popping up and we're going to do it by basically saying, if you want to learn from this story, if you want to learn this lesson, you have to first uh, let yourself be given pause by the words of Jesus. Let the words of Jesus give you pause. Secondly, dig deep into what they mean for you. And third, act on what you find out. First, let the words of Jesus give you pause. Let them give you pause. Think about the words. When he says in verse... Um, what verse is it? When he says in verse 21, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. What are we supposed to, how are we supposed to apply that to our lives? How are we supposed to understand that language? One thing you lack. Treasure in heaven. How are you supposed to understand that? Well, how about this? How about you just picture a person who, maybe it's you, or maybe it's someone you know, a person who's single and really wants to get married, really wants to find that perfect person. And there might even be this feeling like, that's the one thing I lack. One thing I lack. Um, and, and, And if that's you, you would look at people who have have found that person who have become married and you just look at it and you go, surely they have found a joy and a happiness that I haven't found. What this message would say to you, if that's you, is that you, if that's you, you have access right now to the ultimate joy and happiness that you can have in life, that your heart desires without finding that spouse. You move on, you say, well, okay, well, maybe someone's found their spouse, and, but now they're, they're saying, I want children. It's been my lifelong thing to have kids, but we, we haven't been able to have children. And, um, and it's not happening, or we've had so many miscarriages that we're just getting, the pain of it all is just building up. I don't know if I want to try again. And it feels a whole lot like that's the one thing that's lacking. And the message to, from Jesus to you, if that's you, is right now, 
actually, you have access to ultimate joy and happiness that you might want in life, that you might ever need, even without becoming a parent. You know, you got someone who's in school and they say, you know, I'm, I don't even feel like a grown-up. I'm just taking classes. I haven't arrived yet. I'm taking these odd jobs. You know, that's the one thing I lack is to get done with school and be out in that world. And the message to you would be, right now, before any of that happens, you have access to ultimate joy, ultimate happiness. Someone else says, I'm just retired and, um, or, or I'm about to face retirement, but compared to other people I know and how they talk when we get together is that I, I really don't have any money for retirement to do the things that I expected or I wanted to do. Or maybe my kids at this point in life, they actually don't call very often. They don't have a lot of respect for me. Or maybe my marriage has fallen apart and everything as I come to this new phase in life is totally lacking. I like this, or I like that, or I like that. And the message from Jesus to you is, right now, in the midst of that, before you would have any of that, you actually can already have ultimate joy and ultimate happiness, treasure, as it's talked about, ultimate treasure, right now, before you have any of that other stuff. You know, you could go on and on to talk about that, but there's also the, the flip side. There's the flip side of it. You could be the person who actually has everything. You have many of the good signs of success that the world around you has told you you need all your life, and yet you might be a million miles away from having ultimate satisfaction or joy. And there might even be, despite all the distractions of all of those successful things, there's this little voice inside your head, just like the voice inside the head of the rich young man in the story that says, I think there's something else. (laughs) I think you still don't have it. You know, you come to the end of your successful career, you've raised your kids, you have an intact, loving marriage. You have, as you come to retirement, you have vacation days built up, you have reward points on your credit card, and you're about to use both in your final year. You're going to use some vacation time and those reward points, and you're going to go to, on a cruise to Alaska, and you're going to go down to um, Latin America, and you're going to go on an African safari, and you're going to get it all done, and then you're going to retire, and you know, you're... Your rental property is actually turning a little bit of a profit in your, your own house. You know, you already have that paid off even after the sizable remodel that you did. Things seem to be going pretty well. In fact, work is even probably going to be calling you in to do a day or two a week, and you'll probably do it because the ego boost feels kind of nice and the money is kind of nice as well. And you've got all these things, everything that you've been after, everything that you set your life on, and yet you still have this little voice in your head that says, maybe there's one thing I lack. Maybe there's one thing missing still. Maybe it's the voice gets louder and louder, and it's almost like a roar that says, you might be missing something really, really big. That's the lesson of the wealthy man in the story. He's attained everything, everything, at the expense of missing, missing out on knowing who God is, missing out on knowing the treasure of God and having any sense of the satisfaction that's possible when you know God confidently. The first step in this is that somewhere in this passage, you've got to let the words of Jesus give you pause and stop and think, and then you've got to drive a little deeper down into your situation Jesus is really good at this, and you'll see it throughout stories of Jesus in the Bible. He's really good at 
finding something in someone's words or in someone's life and, and, and boring down into the deeper heart issues. And so actually it doesn't even take but one word to come out of this wealthy man's mouth and Jesus says, okay, let's start there. How about the word good? Let's, let's, let's work with that and let's start boring down into your spiritual condition. Do you notice that he did that? He said, good teacher, and Jesus replies, okay, let's talk about good. What is goodness? What's your view of goodness? I don't know if you notice that it's quite acceptable to talk, to update people about your life, say at a Christmas party or at a, at a Fourth of July party or at some yearly reunion in the summer that you always do with family. It's quite acceptable to talk about and to review your accomplishments, to review the various things in your life that you've been chasing after, career, kids, all those things I already talked about. It's quite quite acceptable to talk through those. Even, you'll notice sometimes, it seems to be pretty acceptable to talk about, update people on your finances, how your investments are doing, how you're doing financially, what you're able to do, or how you're not doing well. But heavens forbid that you'd be stuck at a party with someone who's going to update you on their spiritual goodness, right? Check, please. Uh, I mean, right? Like, that's not acceptable. That's not okay to do. Well, this man in the story is, he seems to be doing both. Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows there's a really rich issue here about goodness. What do you think about your goodness? Is there some sense in which the goodness that you have, that you you pat yourself on the back a little bit, that there's a little bit of a sense of accomplishment or inwardly, you wouldn't do it outwardly, of course, but inwardly, there's a little bit of bragging about, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I have my intentions, right? I do this, I do that, I volunteer, I, I you know, help take care of my parents, or I'm at least not a complete jerk to my parents. Um, you know, you get these different things that you say inwardly. I'm a pretty good person. You think about your goodness, right? Jesus is asking this guy, who's really doing a lot of that, you can see from this passage, and he's asking him to burrow down in the issue of goodness and to dig deep and to say, have you run into the most important spiritual issue for anyone to consider? And that is the limit of your own goodness. Put it differently, this story basically with all the language towards the end of what's possible and what's impossible and everything's possible with God, what is that getting at? It's getting at the fact that to grasp the, the Christian message, you eventually have to grasp the impossibility of your goodness to get you anywhere of significance with God. Have you run into that wall yet? Have you run into the limitations of your own goodness? I'm a good person. I pray a lot. You know, Tim Keller uh, is a guy I quote a lot. He's a pastor from New York City, and he has this quote. He says, anyone who counts on what they are doing to get eternal life will find out that in spite of everything they've accomplished, there's an emptiness, an insecurity, a doubt. Something is bound to be missing. How can anyone ever know whether... They are good enough. Um, a Christian will really turn the corner in understanding and taking hold of the Christian faith when they finally learn this lesson, when they finally realize that, that it's not just about repenting of your sins, but it's about also repenting of 
your good works. Repenting of the sinful motivations underneath the good works that you do. Have you seen the limitation of your goodness? Martin Luther, the great reformer, talked about that Christians bring to God all of their condemnable good works. That's part of, that's part of confession. That's part of really digging deep and seeing yourself completely. That's part of what Jesus wants you to do. And what happens with the rich man, and this, you know, it's important to consider if this is you, is that he is so attached to manufacturing his own goodness, he's so committed to that and attached to that and hardwired for that, his whole life has been spent doing that, that it keeps him from knowing God. And when given the opportunity and, and it's spelled out for him, Jesus says, look, this is how easy it is. Here's what you do. And you'll get that whole set of stuff that you're looking for. You'll get it. Here's what you do. That he can't do it because it means letting go of his own goodness. And all the ways that money has wrapped itself around all those good things that he's attained in life. He can't let go. He can't do it. Even though the offer is right before him. And of course, it's important to consider what what is Jesus getting at? What is he trying to push this guy towards? What is, what is going to happen next? And you notice the words are, to come and follow me. And what does that mean? Except that everything in this gospel of Mark, as we're seeing every week we deal with this, is everything is driving towards where Jesus' life is going, to the suffering and the cross and the meaning that Jesus saw in that. What is the meaning, you ask? Thanks for asking. The gospel writer Mark wants you to think about the cross and to say right here on the cross, when Jesus goes to the cross, it is the Son of God exchanging his goodness for for the limitations of your goodness. He's going to the cross and he wants to go to the cross for this rich young ruler so so that this man will finally see that the God of the universe comes and gives up the position that his goodness deserves so that the rich man can get the position that Jesus' goodness deserves. There's an exchange on the cross of goodness. That's why when, you know, Jesus is dropping all these hints about what we talk about as the gospel, when he says, oh, all these things are impossible with humans. I think it's verse 26. But verse 27 comes through with, or verse, verse 27, all, all, all this is impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible with God. It's a direct link to the cross where all of us, not just, it's not just the rich who it's impossible to, for their goodness to get them to God. All of us, our goodness limits us from getting to God, but on the cross, it becomes possible. Do you have the confidence in that goodness that's, that's yours now? And if, so as, as you dig deep, you can't, we can't stop the sermon here. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't do justice to the text because this text is full of action. This is full of a challenge for action. Act now on what you find out when you dig deep. When Jesus went on with his life and he asked the rich man to follow him, he ended up doing something that really in many ways he's asking the rich young man to do something that he's going to do a million times more. He's asking the rich man to let go of all his treasure that he's grasping hold of. But Jesus, Jesus knows the real treasure that he wants the rich man to get. It's, It's a connection to the Father, and Jesus already has it in spades. 
But what does he do on the cross? But he lets go of it. He lets himself be released from the clutches of the Father to the point where he says on the cross, this is how you know he's gone through that extreme detachment, is he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus gives up the ultimate treasure so that people like you and me and the rich man can have it. And all he asks the rich man to do is kind of peel back his white-knuckled fingers that are clutching all these little things instead of knowing the real riches. He's not asking him to do anything he hasn't already done a million times more. So when you dig deep, what area of your life reveals some kind of treasure that you're white-knuckling, that you've got your fingers wrapped around, your heart wrapped around something other than God? What do you find? Is it in security and stability? Is it in your achievements? Is your treasure in finding a spouse or finding romance? Or is it in your retirement savings? Or is it in having children? Or is it in your degrees, you know, having an MD or a PhD behind your name? Or is it like me in your physique, you know, huge (laughs) rippling muscles and looking good all the time? No, sorry, that's actually not, that's not a confession in any way, shape or form. Is it in being productive? That's actually more me. So that you can convince yourself that you're doing enough good things in life. Is that you? Is it in your good deeds that that you're always kind of working to settle that voice in your head that says, what if you're not good enough? Is that your treasure? Is it a perfectionism driven by fear of making a dumb mistake or perfectionism driven by your ego and your pride? Or is it in looking smart? Is it in your employment status or your career? Is it in personal freedom? Or is it in not letting people down? And so you, you never end up saying no like you should in many cases and you don't speak up for yourself. Or is it just quite plainly, is it in your money and the things you've convinced yourself that you need to have? What do you find out when you dig deep? There needs to be some specific response as you let this message borrow down into your heart. It's, a, it's, it's absolutely necessary from this message. There has to be something that you see and that you do in response to this teaching. And I bet that whatever you've identified, if you've identified some treasure other than God, I bet that even if it's not money, that there's definitely a financial component. There's a way that money relates to that goal or that thing or that longing that you have after something. What if, you pulled, what if you pulled the plug financially on that area of your life in some significant way? What would that look like? Most of us say, no way, <laughs> right? But what if doing so meant this? And this is exactly what this story gets at. What if doing so meant that your heart was finally available for God to enter in? What if in doing that, in some way pulling the plug financially on something, what if finally you could say, not just kind of hesitantly, I'm I'm a good person, but you say, I know the treasure of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, the rich young man dropped to his knees apparently in full submission to you as he began his questioning. 
And over time, it re- was revealed that the, the submission wasn't complete. He wasn't ready for that yet. We find ourselves in so many situations where we can relate to that, where our, maybe our verbalized submission to you turns out to be not nearly as complete as we expect. As we identify some things in our lives today about that submission to you, about that desire to follow you, would you help us to do what really we find impossible? To let go of things that we're hanging on to, to give generously as a way to know that we'll we'll see your treasure more fully and to put our trust more completely in you. This is the hardest thing to do in life. Would you help us through your Holy Spirit? In the name of Jesus, amen.